0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. CAPTAIN BLOOD by Raphael Sabatini. Recording by Matthew Hinman. CHAPTER Twenty-Five, THE SERVICE OF KING LOUIS. Meanwhile, some three months before Colonel Bishop set out to reduce Tortuga, Captain Blood, bearing hell in his soul, had blown into its rock-bound harbor ahead of the winter gales, and two days ahead of the frigate in which Wolverstone had sailed from Port Royal a day before him. In that snug anchorage he found his fleet awaiting him, the four ships which had been separated in that gale, off the Lesser Antilles, and some seven hundred men composing their crews. Because they had been beginning to grow anxious on his behalf, they gave him the greater welcome. "'Guns were fired in his honour, and the ships made themselves gay with bunting. "'The town, aroused by all this noise in the harbour, emptied itself upon the jetty, "'and a vast crowd of men and women of all creeds and nationalities collected there "'to be present at the coming ashore of the great buccaneer. "'Ashore he went, probably for no other reason than to obey the general expectation. "'His mood was taciturn, his face grim and sneering.' let wolverstone arrive as presently he would and all this hero-worship would turn to execration his captains Hagthorpe, christian and eberville were on the jetty to receive him and with them were some hundreds of his buccaneers he cut short their greetings and when they plagued him with questions of where he had tarried he bade them await the coming of wolverstone who had satisfied their curiosity to a surfeit on that he shook them off and shouldered his way through that heterogeneous throng that was composed of bustling traders of several nations—English, French, and Dutch—of planters and of seamen of various degrees, of buccaneers who were fruit-selling half castes negro slaves, some doll-tearsheets and dunghill queens from the old world, and all the other types of the human family that converted the quays of Cayona into a disreputable image of Babel. Winning clear at last, and after difficulties— captain blood took his way alone to the fine house of monsieur D'Agoron, there to pay his respects to his friends the governor and the governor's family at first the buccaneers jumped to the conclusion that wolverstone was following with some rare prize of war but gradually from the reduced crew of the arabella a very different tale leaked out to stem their satisfaction and converted into perplexity partly out of loyalty to their captain partly because they perceived that if he was guilty of defection They were guilty with him, and partly because being simple, sturdy men of their hands, they were themselves in the main a little confused as to what really had happened. The crew of the Arabella practiced reticence with their brethren in Tortuga during those two days before Wolverstone's arrival. But they were not reticent enough to prevent the circulation of certain uneasy rumors and extravagant stories of discreditable adventures—discreditable, that is, from the buccaneering point of view— of which Captain Blood had been guilty. But that Wolverstone came when he did, it is possible that there would have been an explosion. When, however, the old wolf cast anchor in the bay two days later, it was to him all turned for the explanation they were about to demand of blood. Now, Wolverstone had only one eye, but he saw a deal more with that one eye than do most men with two. And despite his grizzled head, so picturesquely swathed in a green and scarlet turban, He had the sound heart of a boy, and in that heart much love for Peter Blood. The sight of the Arabella at anchor in the bay had at first amazed him as he sailed around the rocky headland that bore the fort. He rubbed his single eye clear of any deceiving film and looked again. Still he could not believe what he saw. Then a voice at his elbow, the voice of Dyke, who had elected to sail with him, assured him that he was not singular in his bewilderment. "'In the name of heaven!' "'Is that the Arabella, or is it the ghost of her?' The old wolf rolled his single eye over Dyke, and opened his mouth to speak. Then he closed it again, without having spoken, and closed it tightly. He had a great gift of caution, especially in matters that he did not understand, that this was the Arabella he could no longer doubt. That being so, he must think before he spoke. "'What the devil should the Arabella be doing here, when he had left her in Jamaica?' And was Captain Blood aboard and in command? Or had the remainder of her hands made off with her, leaving the captain in Port Royal? Dyke repeated his question. This time Wolverstone answered him. You've two eyes to see with, and you ask me? Who's only got one? What it is you see? But I see the Arabella. Of course, since there she rides, what else was you expecting? Expecting? Dyke stared at him, open-mouthed. Was you expecting to find the Arabella here? Wolverstone looked him over in contempt, then laughed and spoke loud enough to be heard by all around him. Of course! What else? And he laughed again, a laugh that seemed to dyke to be calling him a fool. On that, Wolverstone turned to give his attention to the operation of anchoring. Anon, when ashore, he was beset by questioning buccaneers. It was from their very questions that he gathered exactly how matters stood— and perceived that either from lack of courage or other motive blood himself had refused to render any account of his doings since the arabella had separated from her sister's ships wolverstone congratulated himself upon the discretion he had used with dyke the captain was ever a modest man he explained hagthorpe and those others who came crowding round him it's not his way to be sounding his own praises why it was like this we fell in with old don miguel "'And when we'd scuttled him, we took aboard a London pimp sent out by the Secretary of State "'to offer the Captain the King's commission, if so be him quit piracy and be a good behaviour. "'The Captain damned his soul to hell for answer. "'And then we fell in with the Jamaica fleet, and that grey old devil bishop in command, "'and there was a sure end to Captain Blood and to every mother's son of us all. "'So I goes to him, and accept this poxy commission,' says I. "'Turn King's man and save your neck and ours.' HE TOOK ME AT MY WORD, AND THE LONDON PIMP GAVE HIM THE KING'S COMMISSION ON THE SPOT, AND BISHOP ALL BUT CHOKED himself WITH RAGE WHEN HE WAS TOLD OF IT. BUT HAPPENED IT HAD, AND HE WAS FORCED TO SWALLOW IT. WE WERE KING'S MEN ALL, AND SO INTO PORT ROYAL WE sailed ALONG WITH BISHOP. BUT BISHOP DIDN'T TRUST US. HE KNEW TOO MUCH. BUT FOR HIS LORDSHIP, THE FELLOW FROM LONDON, HE'D A HANGED THE CAPTAIN, KING'S COMMISSION AND ALL, BLOOD WOULD A SLIPPED OUT OF PORT ROYAL AGAIN THAT SAME NIGHT but that hound bishop had passed the word, and the fort kept a sharp lookout. In the end, though it took a fortnight, blood bubbled him. He sent me and most of the men off in a frigate that I bought for the voyage. His game, as he'd secretly told me, was to follow and give chase. Whether that's the game he played or not, I cannot tell ye. But here he is for me, as I'd expected he would be. There was a great historian lost in Wolverstone— He had the right imagination that knows just how far it is safe to stray from the truth, and just how far to color it so as to change its shape for his own purposes. Having delivered himself of his decoction of fact and falsehood, and thereby added one more to the exploits of Peter Blood, he inquired where the captain might be found. Being informed that he kept his ship, Wolverstone stepped into a boat and went aboard, to report himself, as he put it. In the great cabin of the Arabella, he found Peter Blood alone and very far gone in drink, a condition in which no man ever before remembered to have seen him. As Wolverstone came in, the captain raised bloodshot eyes to consider him. A moment they sharpened in their gaze, as he brought his visitor into focus. Then he laughed a loose, idiot laugh, that yet somehow was half a sneer. "'Ah, the old wolf,' said he. "'Got here at last, eh? "'And what you gonna do with me, eh?' He hiccoughed resoundingly and sagged back loosely in his chair. Old Wolverstone stared at him in somber silence. He had looked with untroubled eye upon many a hell of devilment in his time, but the sight of Captain Blood in this condition filled him with sudden grief. To express it, he loosed an oath. It was his only expression for emotion of all kinds. Then he rolled forward and dropped into a chair at the table, facing the captain. My God, Peter, what's this? "'Rum!' said Peter. "'Rum from Jamaica!' "'He pushed bottle and glass towards Wolverstone. "'Wolverstone disregarded them. "'I'm asking you what ails you,' he bawled. "'Rum!' said Captain Blood again and smiled. "'Just rum. "'I answer all your questions. "'Why don't you answer me? "'What you gonna do with me?' "'I've done it,' said Wolverstone.' thank god ye had the sense to hold your tongue till i came are ye sober enough to understand me drunk or sober i'll understand you then listen and out it came the tale that wolverstone had told the captain steadied himself to grasp it it'll do as well as her truth said he when wolverstone had finished and oh no more much obliged to ye old wolf faithful old wolf "'But was it worth the trouble? "'I'm nor pirate now, never a pirate again. "'It's finished.' "'He banged the table, his eyes suddenly fierce. "'I'll come and talk to you again when there's less rum in your wits,' "'said Wolverstone, rising. "'Meanwhile, you'll please to remember the tale I've told, "'and say nothing that'll make me out a liar. "'They all believes me, even the men as sail with me from Port Royal. "'I've made em. "'If they thought as how you'd taken the King's commission in earnest,' And for the purpose of doing as Morgan did, you guess what would follow? Hell would follow, said the captain, and that's all I'm fit for. You're maudlin', Wolverstone growled. We'll talk again tomorrow. They did, but to little purpose, either that day or on any day thereafter, while the rains which set in that night endured. Soon the shrewd Wolverstone discovered that rum was not what ailed blood. Rum was in itself an effect, and not by any means the cause, of the captain's listless apathy. There was a canker eating at his heart, and the old wolf knew well enough to make a shrewd guess of its nature. He cursed all things that daggled petticoats, and knowing his world, waited for the sickness to pass. But it did not pass. When blood was not dicing or drinking in the taverns of Tortuga, keeping company that in his saner days he had loathed, he was shut up in his cabin aboard the Arabella, alone and uncommunicative. His friends at Government House, bewildered at this change in him, sought to reclaim him. Mademoiselle Garon, particularly distressed, sent him almost daily invitations, to few of which he responded. Later, as the rainy season approached its end, he was sought by his captains with proposals of remunerative raids on Spanish settlements, but to all he manifested an indifference, which, as the weeks passed and the weather became settled, begot first impatience and then exasperation. Christian, who commanded the clotho, came storming to him one day, upbraiding him for his inaction, and demanding that he should take order about what was to do. "'Go to the devil,' blood said, when he had heard him out. Christian departed, fuming, and on the morrow the clotho weighed anchor and sailed away.' "'setting an example of desertion "'from which the loyalty of Blood's other captains "'would soon be unable to restrain their men. "'Sometimes Blood asked himself "'why he had come back to Tortuga at all. "'He held fast in bondage by the thought of Arabella "'and her scorn of him for a thief and a pirate. "'He had sworn that he had done with buccaneering. "'Why, then, was he here?' "'That question he would answer with another. "'Where else was he to go? "'Neither backward nor forward could he move, it seemed.' he was degenerating visibly under the eyes of all. He had entirely lost the almost foppish concern for his appearance, and was grown careless and slovenly in his dress. He allowed a black beard to grow on cheeks that had ever been so carefully shaven, and the long, thick black hair, once so sedulously curled, hung now in a lank, untidy mane, about a face that was changing from its vigorous swarthiness into an unhealthy sallow, whilst the blue eyes, that had been so vivid and compelling were now dull and lackluster wolverstone the only one who held the clue to this degeneration ventured once and once only to beard him frankly about it lord peter is there never to be no end to this the giant had growled will you spend your days moping and swilling cause a white-faced ninny in port royal have none of you splud nouns "'And if you wants the wench, why the plague doesn't you go and fetch her?' The blue eyes glared at him from under the jet-black eyebrows, and something of their old fire began to kindle in them. But Wolverstone went on heedlessly. "'I'll be nice, where wench, as long as niceness be the key to her favor. But sink me now if I'd rot myself in rum on account of anything that wears a petticoat. That's not the old wolf's way. If there's no other expedition'll tempt you, why not Port Royal?' "'What a plague do it matter if it is an English settlement? "'It's commanded by Colonel Bishop, "'and there's no lack of rascals in your company "'to follow you to hell "'if it meant getting Colonel Bishop by the throat. "'It could be done, I tell you. "'We've but to spy the chance when the Jamaica fleet is away. "'There's enough plunder in the town to tempt the lads, "'and there's the wench for you. "'Shall I so sound them on it?' "'Blood was on his feet, his eyes blazing, "'his livid face distorted.' Ye'll leave my cabin this minute, so ye will, or by heaven it's your corpse will be carried out of it. Ye mangy hound, do ye dare come to me with such proposals? He fell to cursing his faithful officer with a virulence like that of which he had never yet been known to use, and Wolverstone, in terror before that fury, went out without another word. The subject was not raised again, and Captain Blood was left to his idle abstraction." But at last, as his buccaneers were growing desperate, something happened, brought about by the captain's friend, Monsieur Delgaron. One sunny morning the governor of Tortuga came aboard the Arabella, accompanied by a chubby little gentleman, amiable of countenance, amiable and self-sufficient of manner. My captain, Monsieur Delgaron delivered himself, I bring you Monsieur de Cassis, the governor of French-Hispaniola, who desires a word with you. Out of consideration for his friend, Captain Blood pulled the pipe from his mouth, shook some of the rum out of his wits, and rose and made a leg to Monsieur de Cassis. Servitude, he said. Monsieur de Cassy returned the bow, and accepted a seat on the locker under the stem windows. "'You have a good force here under your command, my captain,' said he. "'Some eight hundred men. And I understand they grow restive in idleness. They may go to the devil when they please.' Monsieur de Cassy took snuff delicately "I have something better than that to propose," said he. "Propose it then," said Blood without interest. Monsieur de Cassy looked at Monsieur d'Argonne and raised his eyebrows a little. He did not find Captain Blood encouraging, but Monsieur d'Argonne nodded vigorously with pursed lips and the governor of Hispaniola propounded his business. "News has reached us from France that there is war with Spain." that is news is it growled blood i am speaking officially my captain i am not alluding to unofficial skirmishes and unofficial predatory measures which we have condoned out here there is war formally war between france and spain in europe it is the intention of france that this war shall be carried into the new world a fleet is coming out from brest under the command of monsieur le baron de rivero for that purpose I have letters from him desiring me to equip a supplementary squadron, and raise a body of not less than a thousand men, to reinforce him on his arrival. What I have come to propose to you, my captain, at the suggestion of our good friend, Monsieur de Rouen, is in brief, that you enroll your ships and your force, under Monsieur de Rouen's flag. Blood looked at him with a faint kindling of interest. "'You are offering to take us into the French service?' he asked. On what terms, monsieur? With the rank of Capitaine de Vaisseau for yourself, and suitable ranks for the officers serving under you, you will enjoy the pay of that rank, and you will be entitled, together with your men, to one-tenth share in all prizes taken. My men will hardly count it generous. They will tell you that they can sail out of here to-morrow, disembowel a Spanish settlement, and keep the whole of the plunder." Ah, yes, but with the risks attaching to acts of piracy, with us your position will be regular and official, and considering the powerful fleet by which Monsieur de Rivalon is backed, the enterprises to be undertaken will be on a much vaster scale than anything you could attempt on your own account, so that the one-tenth in this case may be equal to more than the whole in the other. Captain Blood considered this after all was not piracy that was being proposed it was an honorable employment in the service of the king of france i will consult my officers he said and he sent for them they came and the matter was laid before them by monsieur de cussie himself hagthorpe announced at once that the proposal was opportune the men were grumbling at their protracted inaction and would no doubt be ready to accept the service which monsieur de cussie offered on behalf of france Hagthorpe looked at blood as he spoke. Blood nodded gloomy agreement. Emboldened by this, they went on to discuss the terms. Iberville, the young French filibuster, had the honor to point out to Monsieur de Cassy that the share offered was too small. For one-fifth of the prizes, the officers would answer for their men, not for less. Monsieur de Cassy was distressed. He had his instructions. It was taking a deal upon himself to exceed them. The buccaneers were firm. Unless Monsieur de Cassis could make it one-fifth, there was no more to be said. Monsieur de Cassis finally consented to exceed his instructions. The articles were drawn up and signed that very day. The buccaneers were to be at Petit grove by the end of January, when Monsieur de Rivarol had announced that he might be expected. After that followed days of activity in Tortuga, refitting the ships, book meat, laying in stores, IN THESE MATTERS WHICH ONCE WOULD HAVE ENGAGED ALL CAPTAIN BLOOD'S ATTENTION, HE NOW TOOK NO PART. HE CONTINUED LISTLESS AND ALOOF, IF HE HAD GIVEN HIS CONSENT TO THE UNDERTAKING, OR RATHER ALLOWED HIMSELF TO BE SWEPT INTO IT BY THE WISHES OF HIS OFFICERS, IT WAS ONLY BECAUSE the SERVICE OFFERED WAS OF A REGULAR AND HONORABLE KIND, NOWISE CONNECTED WITH PIRACY, WITH WHICH HE SWORE IN HIS HEART THAT HE HAD DONE FOREVER. BUT HIS CONSENT REMAINED PASSIVE. The service entered awoke no zeal in him. He was perfectly indifferent, as he told Hagthorpe, who ventured once to offer a remonstrance, whether they went to Petit or to Hades, and whether they entered the service of Louis the Fourteenth or of Satan. End of chapter.